Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are diving into episode 13 of season two of Twin Peaks. Ooh, and it's Twin Peaks Day today. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. That's cool. <laughs> don't, 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 don't. Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's... February 24th. It's the day Cooper drives into uh, Twin Peaks for the first oh, time. Oh, that makes sense. I knew there was something. 11.30 a.m. <laughs> something special about today. I could feel it yeah. in the air. I did a little Twin Peaks post and there's been Twin Peaks posts aplenty online. Although I am so anti-social media these days. Not anti, but just like I haven't been looking at it that much. Mm-hmm. I will literally just go on and be like, what's the very first one? Okay, that's enough. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so I had to make myself scroll through and be like, oh, Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks. I know that. Yeah, that's that's cool that there's a Twin Peaks day. And we happen to be, we always happen to be recording on these days. I think last time we recorded on David Lynch's birthday. And <laughs> it's so crazy. Well, if there's one thing I have noticed from, you know, following like Jane Austen and David Lynch fan sites is that at least on the Twin Peaks side, every day is an anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe there's just there's just so much to celebrate. So why not give it every day? (laughs) Definitely. If you're going to keep the fandom alive, you got to have these little things. But today is a really big one. So (laughs) today is Twin Peaks Christmas. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Twin Peaks New Year. <laughs> right. <laughs> this was a good episode or well, actually it's debatable because a lot of people think this is where the this particular episode is where the season goes down. So what did you think? Was mm. it good? Did you like it? I I won't say if it was necessarily good or bad. Um but I did find myself not enjoying it as much as the beginning of the beginning 12 episodes. <laughs> um, not and like I, I won't say that it was bad because I there are definitely parts of it that I did enjoy. Um, like I always enjoy the Ed and Norma storyline and uh-huh. Nadine anywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I just kind of like parts of it, it just felt a little like discombobulated like we were trying to fit too many storylines into this episode and so I was like we're jumping a lot a lot a lot and then there were some that I just don't really care about that much (laughs) (laughs) personally (laughs) well you know I think that's pretty much everybody everybody kind of gets to that point I mean even I have a storyline who I usually fast forward through but I'm I'm enjoying it more just for the pure sake of laughing at Sir James. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's he's not my favorite storyline. I kind of like just because it's like so melodramatic and I do find himself like I do find him centering himself and like everything that goes bad. And I'm like, well, is everything bad happening to you or is it happening to other people too? (laughs) So well, (laughs) I don't even feel like it's the storyline that I have a problem with as much as just James the character. But yeah. we can definitely get into that. And, you know, well, when we when I get to my notes, I did find something about, um, I think Eric DeRay, who plays Leo, was like, Nadine having superpowers is was jumping the shark or something like that. And No. <laughs> That's my I favorite mean, part. Nadine had superpowers <laughs> from the very beginning, so let's not forget that she exactly. bent back the arms of her rowing machine at, like, the first episode. Yeah, her um, metal rowing <laughs> machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
a lot of people don't like the pin horn storyline and um, yeah that's not my favorite <laughs> i think it's hilarious i mean <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> odd for sure but i like that one yeah you know, dick and andy are a big part of this episode i guess but it's also got like the dead dog farm yeah although i guess that's off. kind of I don't know. We got a lot to talk about, so maybe I shouldn't go over every detail <laughs> before we even get to the notes. <laughs> yeah, and like I like I said, I won't say that it was necessarily a bad episode because I do enjoy the writing and everything. It's just I found myself not to be as enamored with this one as previous episodes. Yeah. I still enjoyed it because, you know, I like all of Twin Peaks always. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> But I did notice when I was doing the notes that there were more grumblings, even from like the people involved in the show at the time. Hmm. I wonder, I wonder what it was, but I'm sure we'll kind of come to some sort of conclusion when we dive in. Yeah, definitely. All right, you ready to get into the notes? Let's do it. All right. This episode is called Checkmate mm-hmm. from the German DVD release. <laughs> <I believe. Right. laughs> it was directed by Todd Holland and written by Harley Payton. Okay. Okay. So I finally got my Twin Peaks Unwrapped book back out <laughs> <laughs> and was looking at some of the stuff from like a lot of the last three episodes, but I think they were all from similar interviews. Mm-hmm. So around this time is when Mark Frost went off to do Storyville, which is uh-huh. a movie that I think we'll probably cover for the podcast someday, even though it's not technically Lynch, but you know. Close enough. So he was in New Orleans filming that, and David Lynch was doing like some art shows in Japan. So mm-hmm. they weren't like checked out. It seemed like mostly Harley Payton was kind of doing the main like show running at the time. Uh-huh. And he says he talked to Mark Frost every day and Lynch was, I don't know if he was coming back and forth a lot, but he was definitely like giving notes and stuff. So they're both involved. They're just more distracted at the time. Right. And I, I don't know, there may or may not, maybe as we go, I will learn more, but I think there might've been some tension between Lynch and Frost. Like um, they just weren't. Mm-hmm working as well together at the time but you know (laughs) if i'm wrong i'm sure (laughs) someone will correct me (laughs) it happens (laughs) so yeah people involved thought that this was the episode where things were getting less interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) i said not true in my opinion yeah definitely not less interesting because there are plenty of like really cool like things that i'm like no tell me more (laughs) please yeah yeah (laughs) And, you know, I feel like the last episode was very, like, crazy all over the place, too. But there's just so many stories that we're kind of, like, right in the middle of now. We've already opened them, so we're still in, like, the opening salvos of them. And they haven't really told us where they're going, necessarily. Right. Although some of them ended today. (laughs) (laughs) They they sure did. Kind of. (laughs) So, oh, I have the Log Lady intro, if you would like to hear it. Yes, please. I think you have a lot of information on this episode. Actually, there's not even any new cast. I mean, there were those two people who were in the orphanage, but I don't think they were even listed in the credits. So, <laughs> no, I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. My husband died in a fire. No one can know my sorrow. 
My love is gone, yet I feel him near me. Sometimes I can almost see him. At night, when the wind blows, I think of what he might have been. Again, I wonder, why? Is that a song? <laughs> it sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> when I see a fire, I feel my anger rising. This was not a friendly fire. This was oh. not a forest fire. It was a fire in the woods. This is all I am permitted to say. Okay, so I think that my husband died in a fire and the last two sentences are definitely not part of a song, but I think no one can know my <laughs> sorrow. My love is gone, yet I feel him near me. It just sounds like a song. So I It sounds think very it like flowy, like a song. <laughs> yeah. Well, I forgot. I had gotten out the um, book, so let me just see if there's anything I missed. It's also episode 20, if you're going by the other... <laughs> once and they wrote in their book the log line was jean renault holds cooper hostage <laughs> spoiler <laughs> yeah right <laughs> that's actually kind of what it says in the description for this episode i guess it could mean a lot of things it could mean just holding him hostage in his pursuit of justice yeah a lot more happens than that but <laughs> yeah <laughs> well when you watch the episode clearly it's it's very spot on <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right, well, that's all I have for notes. So shall we go ahead and get into the recap? Sure, got a lot to cover. This is episode 13 titled Checkmate, like you said. And we open with some very ominous music playing while we scan the stars. And then suddenly a flaming symbol crashes down and bursts into flames. Very uh, <laughs> jolting opening. It's very trippy. Like, yeah, it, it very much reminds me of season three, this whole opening. I actually really like the direction in this episode. There were a lot of me too. camera shots and stuff that I was like, oh, that's really pretty. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Know, so. Yeah, I really liked the the scene right after this where it's like Major Briggs sitting in like that like throne that has like it's like a stone throne that has like overgrown with foliage and everything. I thought it was really pretty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of considering this all part of the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He sits on this throne and sort of tries to remember what happened during his time away, which is very little. But one thing that stands out to him is an image of a large and scary owl. And I wrote, don't trust the owls in all exclamation points. I know, I wrote, not the giant owl. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bob owl. <laughs> Ugh, I, yeah, too many, too many things reminded me of Bob this episode and I wrote them down and I was like, I don't need any of those. Yeah, well, you know, I think they're trying to keep it in our minds. Oh, yeah. You know, Bob He's is not still gone. <laughs> I like the way it goes from like radioactive to like really lush and green and yeah, the voices sound really weird. It's very cool. Kind of like trippy opening. I like to it. me. It almost was like, cause I wrote like when we're kind of out of that scene, it's like we're exiting his like mind quote unquote palace, like his, <laughs> where he like kind of sits in his mind. Uh-huh. That's the kind of like imagery I was getting. And that's why everything felt so faint and you know, distant. Well, but, um, if it is related to season three, then Briggs is the right person. <laughs> so we enter, we exit what I called his mind palace, and they're in a meeting room at the station where Doc Hayward is taking a picture of a scar behind his ear, and it matches the flaming symbol we saw from the opening. Mm. 
the radioactive symbol or isn't it it now that you say it it does look like a radioactive symbol i just didn't know if it was like supposed to mean something else later on Mm. did we get to see what they look like or did we just know that it's three triangles we saw the picture of it okay yeah (laughs) it does look like now that you say the radioactive symbol i'm like that's what it looks like to me i just didn't know if it like referenced something later on in the series that we're gonna find out or something oh well you know the radioactive symbol would be appropriate, especially for future <laughs> Twin Peaks. But yeah, I think it could be other things. I mean, maybe I'm even wrong. I don't know for sure that that's radioactive, but I'm pretty sure it is. It does look like it. But when you think about Twin Peaks, you always think of the two triangles. So to have three oh. is interesting. Mm. Is there another There's peak somewhere? The hidden peak. my brain was thinking <laughs> 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 um, Okay, so the gang tries to get more information out of him, but... He's clearly shaken up and he's unable to provide anything else. And then he then talks about Project Blue Book, which was an Air Force investigation task force into UFOs that disbanded in 1969. Mm -hmm. But then he mentions that some of them continued to investigate sort of off the books, quote unquote. Yeah. And that most of the time they were looking up, but in Twin Peaks especially, they were looking down. Which I did not. Very like. interesting. <laughs> I did not like that. I um, and I wrote that it, it reminds me of this horror movie I saw. It took place in Paris. It's called As Above, So Below, and it's like a they go into like the catacombs, and like the catacombs is kind of like gateway into like another place is what uh-huh. we'll call it, and a lot of scary stuff happens and <sighs> gave me the chills. But interesting. He mentions that they're searching for a place called the White Lodge. And I wrote in parentheses, um, with 40 exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> so are they looking for the White Lodge underneath Twin Peaks? That's... Yeah. I don't know. It's like it... an ominous place for a White Lodge to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait, why is it below? <laughs> but maybe the Black Lodge is even lower. <gasps> or maybe it's over. I don't know. Briggs or, is so good, though. Maybe we're in the back lodge. But before he can go any further, he's interrupted by a knock at the door where two military personnel are going to escort him to see Colonel Riley. Harry tries to argue with them that they're not allowed to take him, which I thought was very funny because... I love... <laughs> Like, it's the oh, military. <laughs> well, I love that he's always down to fight someone for his friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a great quality, but it was just very funny because... It just felt so like way above everything else. So I was like, I don't think it's going to work. I was trying to remember what we sorted him as, but oh, I gosh. can't remember. I could probably look it at definitely... it way too much searching. <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely match because I feel like he's always had that quality. I think of... we did Libra. Libra. Because the scales, because of them. Um... <gasps> right, right, right. Major Briggs leaves with the military peoples and that... Coop is looking at the picture of Major Scar and the sprinklers are leaking on it, which made me think of Bob. And I wrote, yikes. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if the sprinkler dripping is related to Leland slash Bob. You know, That's what I the got. whole sprinkler incident. Ugh. I think it's got very ominous music too. So yeah. And then part of me was like, is it just like supposed to be like, remember this? Or is it going to, is it more like, you know, Bob sending a message like, hey, I'm still here. I don't know. <laughs> I don't like it. Well, all of this, you know, Bob is definitely related to everything that mm-hmm. Briggs was talking about. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> Especially that owl. 
In another office at the station, uh, Denise is arguing with Ernie about setting up the sting operation to get John Renault. Ernie, Ernie, Ernie. Ernie is <laughs> kind of chickening out. <laughs> I wrote, donuts are back, exclamation points, although they did not look like great donuts to me. They were contaminated because he took a bite and put it back on the tray. Yeah, I was like, And then oh, Cooper did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you guys are bad, uh, bad donut etiquette, in my opinion. When it comes to donuts, all of their hygiene is out the window <laughs> since like the second episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then we go into the lobby of the station where Andy runs into Dick and they kind of go off to the side to talk a- more about little Nikki's possible patricide slash matricide. I can't remember what it was called for both parents. <laughs> Sorry about both. Parent side. Parent side. <laughs> <laughs> Dick is like dressed like Dick Tracy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was very over the top and very Dick, which I appreciated (laughs) with the collar up around to kind of guard his face. (laughs) Lucy kind of hears them, but doesn't see them leave. She kind of walks out, runs into Cooper, who asks if she has found anything in the papers about Wyndham Earl's possible next moves. But unfortunately, no luck. Her hair is still so in the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it very much is and i feel like even her outfits are she's just stuck in the 80s yeah it's funny because now that i'm not writing the recap i feel like i'm noticing people's clothes and hair more i don't know why i usually do not notice that sort of stuff ever but maybe it's just I all the drag it. race i've been watching <laughs> <laughs> I'll notice the clothes it might more. <laughs> it might be drag race because you're like you know the runway is such an important part of the show true i'm now clocking people's fashion <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so now we go to the double R where Ed and Norma are flirting again. We're just staring at each other. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, (laughs) flirting in their own way. Um, And then I wrote, is it crazy to want Ed, Norma, and Nadine to be a throuple? I don't think so. I don't think it's crazy. I think you might I think they're perfect. Have a little taste of that in the future. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. But then Ed slides Norma a note. Uh, saying they need to talk soon. And then I I wrote, I'm sure there will be lots of, in quotes, talking. (laughs) Or as we find out, none at all. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Now we go to Leo and Shelly's. For some reason, when I first was watching this, I could not remember Shelly's name. And I was like, what is her name? It's been so long since we've seen her. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's why. And I was like, her name is not Sally, but it's something similar. <laughs> <laughs> so I almost wrote Sally. Well, I wrote, Shelly, there you are. <laughs> yes, I. she's one of my favorite characters, so I'm glad we have her back. Yep. But she's trying to feed Leo a very interesting looking, like, dark red soup. <laughs> almost blood-like, which is really gross. <laughs> and he's spitting it up all over himself and her. And it kind of looks like they're covered in blood, which I was like, is that foreshadowing something to come? I don't know. Definitely the most unsettling location that we visit in this episode is even more so the dead dog farm is the Johnson house. (laughs) Oh, it always makes me like very tense when we go to that uh, location. And it's not in the sense of like, it's not my favorite in that I don't like it. It just makes me feel nervous. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, at this point, it's like always covered in just grossness because, yeah, like the feeding is clearly a big struggle there. Mm-hmm. And it's never been finished. It's always had 
plastic over half the house, you know? Right, yeah. It's never fully built. I had a lot to say about Bobby during this scene. (laughs) So did I. (laughs) But speaking of Bobby, they argue about feeding him and Bobby says he has practice, which is annoying to me. (laughs) And I said that he gets a well-deserved smack in the face. I and that stop I, him again, Shelly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that I couldn't wait to see his face when he goes and sees the state Ben is in at this point because <laughs> he is going to get everything he deserves. And I love that the um, invitation to love music is playing in the background when she yes. slaps him across the face. <laughs> and I was like, oh, the music. Oh, slap him again. Because he's being <laughs> such a dick in that scene. Like, yeah. I wanted to slap him. <laughs> yeah, I also did right. I was like, well, He's a teenager, and so maybe she shouldn't have a... Well, he's never been not a dick, really. Right. <laughs> We've been he's kind of been calling about from the beginning, so... I mean, he's ha- he has his good moments, and we know that a lot yeah. of it is due to Laura fucking him up, but, like, yeah. <laughs> yes. such a dick at this scene. <laughs> yeah, especially when she was like, do I have anything else? Don't I have anything else better to do? And basically... It was whole- his whole idea <laughs> to do this scam which is really just a lot of work for Shelly and she can't even go to work it's like right they should just send him to a home and they would not have to worry about any of this that's what I said you know Bobby thinks he's got big time you know gig coming up with Ben so whatever <laughs> he's <such> a dummy <laughs> <laughs> he's just yeah an idiot <sighs> next scene we're back with James I wrote ugh and he's calling Ed to have him send the rest of his savings account to him for and i wrote for some grand gesture that i'm sure will not end well for him oh my god i really like the shot of the mountains when we mm-hmm. are first hearing the call another it's little beautiful. bit of directing i had a lot to say about james during this scene <laughs> first of all, i was like what on earth are you doing for first of all how much money could you possibly have exactly <laughs> Second, from what from what <laughs> what are you doing why are you taking out all your money <laughs> and then uh, for something anyway, keep stupid. going because then i had some more to say <laughs> Yeah, me too. But then Evelyn enters wearing sunglasses, clearly hiding bruises and stuff from the night before. She asked James to tell her about Twin Peaks, and he acts like it's the worst place ever. And I wrote, as if the place he's in right now is any better. (laughs) Do you think when she first came in before he noticed her, it looked to me like she was looking at him with like disgust. Did you catch that at all? Or is that just in my mind? Now that you say it, thinking back, it was like, now that we, now that, you know, we've watched the episode and we know what kind of happens later on, like, it just feel like she's like, sort of in a, maybe not, I wouldn't say disgust, maybe like condescending, kind of like, oh, like little boy or. Yeah, I feel like something she kind like of that. overhears him talking about taking out his money and when she, I don't know, maybe you can't really tell with the glasses, but it seemed to me like she was like, just. And again, I haven't watched this entire storyline in a really long time. So. Right. <laughs> well, it's like, I could totally see her like rolling her eyes because she's probably thinking, what is this teenager's savings account going to do for me? She's married <laughs> to a filthy rich man. She could totally probably swindle him out of his money, you know, whenever. So, yeah, you know, he's just being James. But I did think when I thought that she was looking at him with disgust, I was like, that's probably how Laura looked at him. <laughs> Probably because she was like, can you ever just not talk about yourself and grow up? (laughs) But he continues to go on his woe is me rant about how he's so sad because Maddie was killed and Laura's dead. And now he's so sad. 
And this is where I wrote, it's crazy how he has to center himself in everything that happens in Twin Peaks when really like nothing has happened to him. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Okay. During this whole speech. Okay. I had, I just, okay. First of all, I said the grease on your face looks strategically painted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it did not look authentic. <laughs> Second, he clearly does not care at all about Donna. No. Really. And so when I see her later, I'm like, Donna, please do not bother. He is not worth your time. <laughs> I'm just personally excited for when she shows up and then maybe there's some sort of like, you know, confrontation where she, she calls him out. Him. For <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> With a car. <laughs> and then when he was going on his whole thing about Laura and Maddie, I was like, can James hear himself? Does he know that he's an idiot? And I said, did yes. the people writing him know that he was an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> I have no choice but at this point to believe it's purposeful that they know exactly what kind of character they're writing because he is insufferable. It's, oh my God. That whole speech was just so like, James, what, what makes you think that this is about you? And how have you centered yourself in this story? Like it's your fault Maddie's dead or what? Right. I mean, or even just, Laura. Ugh, so annoying. And he's whispering the whole time, which I find so annoying. <laughs> Me or, too. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it can be endearing when Marianne does it in Sense and Sensibility, but she whispers with passion. He just say. <laughs> it's okay with Marianne. I also, don't, I don't know if you caught it, but he kind of victim blames Evelyn because he was like, why do you let him do that to you? And I was like, uh, I don't think she lets him beat the shit out of her. <laughs> Whatever, he's James. So, You're oh, a child. He's so annoying. Him and Bobby back to back annoying. And I'm like, Ugh, Laura hated you both. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder she didn't tell you everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Was there more that you had written for that scene? Uh, no, that's all I have for that scene. <laughs> okay. The next scene I wrote, oh, thank God! Exclamation point, exclamation yes. point, exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> I love the next scene. We're back at the double R and Nadine has come in to try and seal the deal with Mike about getting a date. Uh, she <laughs> is refusing to take no for an answer and talks about splitting pies and maybe meatloaf, but Mike is uninterested, but she goes in for a kiss and leaves Mike a little bewildered and maybe a little taken aback at maybe how much he didn't dislike it as much. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Left him very flummoxed. <laughs> exactly. I did like how everyone in the cafe was staring at them. <laughs> at this like grown woman in her 30s kissing a teenager. <laughs> and they were yeah. just like, what is happening? <laughs> I love Mike calling her Mrs. Hurley at first. Yes. <laughs> I like that Nadine does not care at all what Mike says to her. And I said, mm -hmm. I guess when you're living in a fantasy world already, you know, right. you just don't hear when people say stuff you don't want them to say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's very much when Valentina on Drag Race said, this doesn't go with the fantasy I had in my head. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but then we go to the kitchen and we see that Norma's putting on her coat as she prepares to head out to meet Ed or as she told Hank, run errands. <laughs> he is interrogating her, which I was very annoyed with because I was like, do you realize that she you're on thin ice with her? Like, <laughs> you're not like trying to like keep track of where she's going. It's kind of the opposite. Anyway. I know. I said, shut up, Hank, and do your job. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> serve those eggs and sausage patties and leave her alone. <laughs> uh, 
And Norma's like, just think of it as a test. <laughs> and I was like, that's yeah. right, Norma. It's a test. <laughs> yes. I love that part because she was yeah. very much like acknowledging like, don't question me. Like, you're the yeah. one who's in trouble. <laughs> I love Norma. She knows what she's me about. Me too. <laughs> She's one of the best people on the show. She really is. Okay. This next scene I did not like a lot. It was very annoying to me. Harry yeah. pulls up to the Martell residence and finds Josie in her maid uniform prepping some stuff. And then he starts questioning her on why she's staying. And I wrote clearly not realizing that something is very wrong because he goes immediately from like questioning her, like, you know, why are you staying here to like trying to like be very intimate with her and like kiss her. And I just was very yeah. annoying. Like it felt he's, very like wrong time, wrong place. He's a hundred percent too aggressive in the scene, like way yeah. too aggressive. And I was like, Josie already must have the most fucked up relationship to sex because like uh, <laughs> she yes. basically was sold into prostitution as a child and right. was forced to marry several people. And I mean, I don't care if she really does love Harry, you know, like, too much way too much right especially when <laughs> she is like making it very clear that she's not in the mood for that not interested <laughs> right now and like she's clearly distressed so like maybe figure out a way to help her instead of being like well i'm gonna remind you why you need to leave yeah whatever but i thought it was kind of weird i guess with every episode being a day but i felt weird that harry was just now learning that josie was a maid but i guess it just happened in the last episode didn't it yeah, or I no, think I so. Or no, I guess it ha- kind of happened at the be- two episodes ago. Like, yeah, Catherine I wondered... informed her of what was going to be happening to her. Right, right. Because he, he does make a comment, like, I thought you were moving out. So clearly, I maybe, like, at some point she had mentioned, maybe just to appease him so that yeah. he didn't know the truth. Like, oh, I'm going to probably move out soon or something. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe <sighs> the problem Whatever. with this episode is not you know, the silliness. It's that the men in this episode are all way over the top with their annoyingness. That, yeah, that I think is my main complaint and you'll find a lot of that running through my recap is what is wrong with these men? They're all stupid. (laughs) Getting on my nerves. Okay, so next at the Great Northern, we see Audrey run into a woman who's running away from Ben's office with like a drum kit and a bottle of ketchup (laughs) and like a bandage around her head and papers everywhere <laughs> she starts I love crying running and you know speaking of men being idiots this episode it does seem like the women are really taking charge because like <laughs> i was like is audrey running the great northern because her dad's going insane because <laughs> it seems like it yeah probably <laughs> <sighs> audrey's the best she can hear her father from the hallway reenacting a civil war battle Um, And she tries to open the door and it's clearly blocked by all sorts of hoarders-like materials, is what I put. (laughs) And then I wrote, I guess his ancestors were part of the Confederacy because (laughs) he has like a Confederate flag and the Confederate uniform. And he seems to be very invested on the Confederacy side, which is interesting. I was wondering, okay, I mean, this turns into a whole storyline, but like, did he start doing this because it's something he knew he couldn't win, you know? Like, he already mm. knows there's no way I can win at this end, you know? I don't know. Right. I feel like there's something there to, like, the fact that okay. he's trying to win for the Confederacy, which he already knows doesn't win. It's not so going like, to win. Yeah. That's actually a good point. I didn't think about that. I like that. That, that makes that <laughs> I think that makes this whole storyline <laughs> a lot more like tolerable and like better. 
<laughs> now like, that that <laughs> well like maybe it's like some sort of weird atonement thing for him because uh-huh. like he kind of like reached his lowest point and it was all because of his own machinations and right i don't know no i like that i like that a lot that makes more sense something to think about Right. Well, Audrey tries to bring him back to Earth, but he seems very, uh, just continues to be very disconnected. And then she tries to call Jerry as a last ditch effort to help. (laughs) He's in full costume, too. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And at some point he pulls out a sword. (laughs) And when they do like close ups of the ground, it is just like covered in dirt. It's just like. Yes. It must <laughs> reek and be disgusting. <laughs> yeah, he does look like he has not showered. <laughs> <laughs> then we go back to, oh no, we don't go back. We go to Ed's house where Norma shows up and they're immediately all flustered about each other and start talking at the same time. <laughs> and then Norma confesses her love for Ed and that she thinks about him all the time. And then they kiss, and I wrote in all caps, finally, with like 300 extra <laughs> legend points. Yeah, and they have like the love theme, but it's like a light piano version of the love theme, mm-hmm. which really works for them. And um... it's pure love. And <laughs> I was like, so that's why they needed to meet. Hacha, hacha. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, quote unquote, talking. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, you guys. Back at the station, Hawk is trying to place a wire on Ernie very unsuccessfully. He has a a schwitzing problem, to put it lightly. <laughs> Him and Coop kind of go through the plan one more time to make sure everything is good to go. Um, and then Harry and Coop have this really cute moment where he deputizes Coop. Uh, <laughs> I said the real love story of... Yes. <laughs> but I also like how before that... Uh, Harry is cleaning his rifle. It looks so like yes. weird. And uh, I think Ernie mentions that he has some sort of Vietnam War trauma. And I was like, interesting. Yeah. Of course you do. And he yeah. looks so like <laughs> Jack Lemonish odd couple in this scene, like with his. Well, I also was like, is this one of those things where, because he seems the type to be like, well, He'll be like back in Vietnam, blah blah blah. But then you find out that he was just like a cook or something, or like... probably I would not be surprised. If he was. <laughs> or, or like a janitor or something. Like you weren't on the battlefields. It'll act like you were. <laughs> but this deputizing, uh, I wrote, possibly makes Cooper the happiest he's been in a long time, possibly ever. Question mark. He's probably be like, you know what? Who needs the FBI? <laughs> <laughs> and then we see that Denise comes in in disguise quote-unquote as i said um, in dennis drag (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um there was some things i kind of picked up like i think like it was like very especially in like the early 90s it was very hard to write i would say like correctly about a trans character because there's a lot of like misgendering and microaggressions that kind of are especially in this scene and like just the the idea of like Denise going undercover as a man it just like I don't know it just felt kind of like a little weird (laughs) it works to their advantage in the end yeah definitely and it was the early 90s it was 30 years ago (laughs) believe it or not (laughs) I got the impression that it was Denise's idea Mm -hmm. since Denise found herself being undercover in drag that now it seems kind of 
you know, right. full circle fitting for her to go undercover right. and, then and, at, and, and then at the end what we know. Yeah. To, like, complete this mission. Yeah. I just felt like we had to kind of point out a little bit of, like, yeah. the nuances <laughs> that they probably didn't have writing a character like this, especially, like, they were two cisgender men. <laughs> yeah. So Definitely. Yeah. It, yeah considering... I do. I'm always really impressed with how they handle it, though. I mean, I haven't watched it in a while either, so. <laughs> yeah, considering the time, it's definitely handled a lot better than <laughs> a lot of other of the minuscule amounts of trans representation we get. Yeah, definitely. I do really enjoy Denise as a character, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I didn't know if we were at the next scene, if we were at the orphanage or the Happy Helping Hands office, I couldn't tell. I think it's the orphanage. I think he says back in that early scene and the um, when he's talking to Andy, but I can't remember either. Mm-hmm. I think it must be the orphanage because someone comes in to adopt, right? It's see, yeah, that's what I. That's what it came off as. And they were the ones who had Nikki's files. Yeah, so <laughs> I think that's what we're at the orphanage. But they break into the office to see what they can find on him. Um, and they're thumbing through the files when two people show up to <laughs> adopt and they ask where he's at. And Dick says that he's dead. Pause. Um, <laughs> oh dead <God>. tired. <laughs> Come on, Dick. Uh, Get it together. And I wrote, uh, Andy and Dick are the most like dopey duo. And I love them. <laughs> I was wondering, okay, during that scene, first off, when they enter, Dick is like, from here on out, this investigation has to be sabrosa. And I, that means delicious in Spanish. So. <laughs> and oh, Dick. I mean, I could have misheard it, but that's what it's not like he was saying. And when he was going through the files, I was looking at his jacket and I was like, is his jacket linen? Because <laughs> Dick would be one with a yes. linen jacket. <laughs> I'm sure he picked it up at Horn's oh, department. I'm sure definitely. it was not cheap. No, no, no. But he got with his considerable employee right. discount, I'm sure. So then we're back at Ed's house and Donna shows up because she doesn't know where James is. He's been gone. No, she said she goes looking for him. And I was like, oh, right. She said, I even went to his house. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Hold the phone. James has a house. I just always imagine him living in like Big Ed's garage. Me too. Me, like <laughs> me too. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, but how lucky was she that he was not around? But uh, he informs her of his call with James and how he wants all the savings account. And she says, well, I'll take up the money. And I wrote, I'm sure this will end very messy, but very entertaining. So why are you looking for him, Donna? Why is there so much self-torture in fiction? <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like in a lot of Jane Austen, I'm <sighs> always thinking, especially in Sense and Sensibility, I'm always thinking... This is just an exercise in self-torture. You are literally torturing yes. yourself for no reason. <laughs> and I feel like Donna is doing it right now. But then I was like, I guess in life people do the same thing. So whatever. <laughs> yes. I feel like it's also very common among that age group. Because they're all around the same age. The Very true. Dashwoods. Very true. And very true. the Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> but then she leaves and Norma and Ed finish their meeting. <laughs> and as she leaves, Ed turns around to see Hank. And he was just in the middle of the living room. And so he starts to attack Ed. um, But then Nadine comes to the rescue. And uh, she completely obliterates Hank. (laughs) And also parts of their house um, and saves Ed. Haven't they destroyed that tchotchke shelf before? I feel like something like that has happened where something has broken. I feel like it happened in the first season. Maybe she's she did something like she went through it or something crazy like that. <laughs> How many times has he rebuilt that tchotchke shelf? 
<laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure he'll be glad to do it this time. I swear, Nadine kicking Hank's ass is like the most satisfying thing to ever be yes. filmed on television. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my favorite when character beating him... up my least favorite character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when she was holding him up against the wall off the floor, <laughs> that was my favorite. I was like, ah, you don't even know what you got yourself bravo, into. Bravo, bravo. Um, and then also I was like, what's Norma going to say to Hank when she gets back to the cafe and he's not there? Hmm. I hope she says, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Next scene is another just dessert scene. We're back in Ben's office and he's ranting to Bobby about the Confederacy strategy in a particular battle. From up on his furniture mountain, it looks like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I wrote, Bobby, that's what you get for being rude to Shelly. That is exactly what I wrote. <laughs> I said, is this your great new job that you're being rude to Shelly for? Exactly. I love it. So he says he's going to speak with President Lincoln. um, And I wrote in quote, Audrey, because it's very fitting. She she is in charge of everyone. I mean, it's a great way to hire someone. Tell them that you will accept their unconditional surrender. Yes. (laughs) She says Jerry will be on the next plane home and that Dr. Jacoby will be uh, in to see him tomorrow. And then she says something about how he may need an injection, but I'm not sure of what. And I wrote, do people get injections for mental health episodes? I think daddy needs an injection. That's what she says. Yeah. I was like, of what? That's another great <laughs> shot, though. When they're looking down the hall at Audrey and Bobby against the wall, I was just like, oh, that's a nice shot. Mm-hmm. And then we don't even change scenes. It's just the same shot. We get, we see Catherine coming down Um, the hall to see Ben. I was going to say, I like it when Audrey says, don't call me baby. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Uh, She's like, I am not Shelly. Catherine looks like she's dressed to blend into the decor at the Great Northern. Like, I could just stand against the wall. Oh, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I am partially thinking that's probably why I didn't see her. You're probably right. But she goes to see Ben and he's going on about his defeat to Catherine and she confronts him about his attempted murder of him. <laughs> but somehow she's comes kind of a complete 180 and she says how infatuated with him she still <laughs> is and how much she wants to be with him. She wants some Ben time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I wrote, maybe they should both see Dr. Like Jacoby. She's like, I did come here to gloat, <laughs> but you're just so <laughs> I also like the way Ben has set up tea lights as campfires all over his. Yes. <laughs> I I also love that. I was like, oh, at least he's taking care of the battlefield. This is what I said. The idea. This is what it came to me that I was like, it's weird that he's doing this, that he knows he can't win, you know? Right. <laughs> so back at the Marsh Manson, Marsh uh, Manson. James and our, oh, did I say Manson? Yeah. <laughs> Manchin. Mansion. Sorry, I don't usually call me uh, love for no. weird things, but just so it's no, but it was funny. <laughs> James, I wrote in quotes, Jim, uh, <laughs> as a surprise for Evelyn. He's bought her a vintage car. No, he fixed it. That was the car he's been fixing. Oh, did he? I thought he, I thought that's what he had the money for. He hasn't got it yet because Donna's bringing it to him. Oh, right. I'm stupid. Uh, please disregard. <laughs> no, I mean, there's not that much. It's easy to like just miss some of the details, but this is the car I believe that she originally hired him to fix. Right, you're right, you're right. But it's interesting to see them both smiling and laughing because I don't think we've ever seen either of them do that. Yes, no, not together. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, so they toast champagne to James fixing the Jaguar and Evelyn starts gushing over him. And I wrote, does he have an effect on blondes specifically? Because they seem to be the only ones who are completely like head over heels, like willing to throw away everything about them. Yeah, but do we trust her? I mean, James trusts her, but I don't know if we should. Yeah, at this point, I was kind of like, I was very trusting of her but then in the very next part of the scene that's when I started to question what was going on yeah because they started kissing and in the front yard we see Evelyn <laughs> yeah I was like aren't you married but uh, <laughs> we see Evelyn's brother spying on her like what's going on here that was also a really cool crazy shot because it like pulled back away from them mm-hmm. fairly quickly and then it like you know zoomed in on him and he looked like he looks like a leprechaun Malcolm he does <laughs> i just learned the other day what bounding was which is like when you dress up like a real life version of a make-believe thing which is what i was telling josh he looked like a gnome the other day and i was like oh now i know oh, right. it's called bounding when you do something like that huh but i, didn't know I that. feel like he looks like a, a leprechaun a little bit yeah <laughs> he's got like there's something about the structure of his face that's very uh <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's Irish and I'm just being very racist right now. (laughs) I mean, because what does a Um, leprechaun look like? (laughs) A mythical creature. He looks very mythical. Sorry. Mystical. A lot of tirades. (laughs) No, you're fine. (laughs) No, this was a very apt episode for that. So we're at Dead Dog Farm and the sting is going down. We see Ernie and Denise are in the house with the ex-Mountie and John Renault. I thought I heard Hank at first, and I was like, how did he get there? But I would think it was just the mountain yeah. sounds like him. <laughs> no. Yeah, I was like, there's no way Hank could have recovered from that beating he took. He's lucky he got his ass kicked by Nadine, because he probably would have been there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but then we hear that the wire starts to smoke, and giving Ernie and Denise away. The undercover bust is busted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so Jean takes them outside and starts yelling for Coop. And they sort of, sort of come to an agreement where he'll trade Denise and Ernie for himself. He's so noble. I know. He's the best. <laughs> and then Hawk goes to call the state police in for backup because things are getting hairy. <laughs> and Harry is very upset. I was like, he can't take another of his loves being threatened today. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, we're back at the Marsh residence and Evelyn is leaving James's room very quietly as to not wake him. And then she meets her brother in the hall and they start kissing. Gross. <laughs> and I was like, are they really brother and sister? What's going on here? I mean, even if they're not, she still just had sex with James. So gross. And gross yeah, having well, sex with James. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gross to that. And then, yeah, it's just like... I don't, their conversation around James, like, was almost like they were his parents, and I didn't like that at all either. (laughs) I was like, there's too many incestual things going on here from too many different angles. I don't like any of it. Yeah, it was a very icky kind of a scene. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't like it, but I'm interested to see what develops. Back at Dead Dog Farm, it's nighttime, and the police have the cabin surrounded, they're in a standoff and Coop advises that Jean and the ex Monty surrender. Clearly they won't do that. But John then goes on to reveal that he blames Coop for his brother's death and that Twin Peaks was a quaint and quiet place before he showed up. And that maybe if Coop brought the nightmare with him, that it will die with him too. Mm-hmm. So that was very, uh, what's the word? Um, 
and it was a very scary way to put that. I was like, oh, I don't like that. Yeah, it's one of Jean Reno's best speeches, honestly. <laughs> yes, it's really good. And there's this like random peace symbol over the wall, like graffiti. Yeah. <laughs> peace. And then the Mountie spots uh, Denise dressed as a double R waitress. It feels like Cooper's very lucky that they just tied him up and didn't like cut off his toes or something because it felt like they really, mm -hmm. like uh, Jean really felt like he wanted to. Yeah. And also, I'm really kind of into this Mounties jacket yeah. in this scene. <laughs> oh, me too. I I loved his jacket. And I was also looking at the color of his hair. It's like that perfect strawberry blonde where it's like red, but then also super, super light. And I was like, if I were to have a different hair color, that's exactly <laughs> what I would want. Okay, so then we see Denise walking up dressed as a double R waitress <laughs> with a tray of food. But then I wrote, John makes the mistake of letting her in and is immediately transfixed by her because she starts to lift up her skirt to show off her hosiery and her legs, which was like, the fact that he fell for her, I was like, no, this is why you deserve to die because you're the dumbest villain ever. <laughs> How do you give a speech like that and then fall for this? <laughs> it was dark outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, just the fact, like, even anyone, I'm just like... Ugh you're stupid but <laughs> she reveals that a gun tucked into her hosiery and coop lunges for it and immediately starts shooting towards jean and denise go, uh, goes ahead and subdues the mountie and so we see the police start rushing the house and we see jean come around the corner bleeding and dying and he's dead <laughs> <laughs> because yes hawk came in right. and saved the day oh did he hawk always comes in oh i thought he came in from the back and he got john because oh. like cooper was shooting at him but he looked like he got away but then he came in ugh, and died and it hawk comes in he just saved the day again <laughs> oh okay i thought that coop had shot him and that he was running away shot but that makes more sense because hawk comes in from the back i like that yeah. better okay yeah, it's very, it is kind of confusing. And it's so dark. And I was trying to watch it during the day. So I was like, oh my God, I can't see what's happening. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Hawk to the rescue once again. <sighs> and it was Harry's idea for Denise to come in and save the mm -hmm. day. Good idea. When we work as a team. I have, I also have a problem with my notes in which Hank, Harry, and Hawk, I have written interchangeably as different names. <laughs> Throughout the entire notes. <laughs> well, it's also like say that three times fast. Hank Harry Hawk. <laughs> it's can't Luckily, be done. I still remember who I should be talking about. <laughs> uh, all right, now things are about to get spooky. We're back at Leo's and Shelley's, and the power is dipping in and out, and it's very ominous with like the record player coming on and coming off. It's giving <laughs> huge Bob Evil Spirit vibes. I said, "Oh God, I'm scared." <laughs> I wrote, Shelly, get out of there with like three exclamation points. She starts calling out for Bobby and she's looking around and she finds a clown doll in Leo's place, which is scary. <laughs> and then she goes over to his chair and finds it empty and then spots him across the room covered in what looks like cake and like the red soupy stuff from earlier that looks like blood. And he almost looks like a clown himself. <sighs> It's so scary. I don't like any it, of it. It is terrifying. If I was Shelly, I would have screamed that piercingly as well. Yeah. I would have picked up the entire table and thrown it because 
No. There, I mean, this episode really does have it all. It's got like, yeah, this feels like almost season one level scary. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I think like as we go through it, especially with this last scene, like it definitely, I think it just had a little bit more uh, lull parts in it than yeah. what we're used to. And so we're just like kind of noticing them yeah. more. But it definitely had some very high moments <laughs> like this and the next scene. Oh, yeah. Um, Ooh. Yep. Ooh. <laughs> We're uh, back at the station and it's pitch black. Lucy is telling Harry and Coop about a bomb threat that was called in. Yeah, I wrote down. Okay, can I explain this one just because yes. it took me like three <laughs> tries? So I was yes. like, oh, I want to explain. <laughs> so uh, there was a bomb in the woods. There are two different fires. One was at the power station. Okay. And then a transformer outside the station exploded. And it was all very suspicious in nature. But you couldn't barely hear it because, like, the door was swinging. I just had to go back and listen to it a couple times to understand what she was saying. I did turn on the subtitles at this point, and I didn't write down (laughs) the specifics. Just, well, because I was like, I heard the bomb threat, but then you could kind of not really hear Lucy. So I was like, I want to know what's going on. But I didn't even catch all of it. Uh, so your explanation definitely helped. <laughs> Coop goes into the station to investigate and goes into Harry's office, I believe, and finds that Wyndham Earl has left his next move for him in the most Ooh. disgusting, horrible way possible. They find a dead man pointing to the spot with an it looks like an elk head or a deer head tied to his arm pointing to his next move. <laughs> this man is crazy. I can't take it. Now, did you see anything familiar about the dead person? There was one of the eyes looked like it was like milky colored, like they were blind in one eye. And I was like, I did try to think like, does that mean anything to me? And I couldn't remember. But But he didn't look familiar to you? He kind of looked like Bob. (laughs) Well, I, and maybe this is just probably a fact that I already knew in the back of my head, but (laughs) I didn't realize I knew. (laughs) But I was like, he kind of looks like Cooper Uh with long hair. And then I was looking up for the notes and it's actually Kyle McLaughlin's brother. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) oh i didn't even catch that that's so cool and in honor of this episode i gave myself a a stencil of a A chess piece the chess piece (laughs) it's so creepy so crazy what a what like that's the thing i'm like there are like more lull parts but like to end on such a high note yeah like, I was like, creepy. I, I almost think. put that in the notes, the thing about his brother. And I was like, no, I got to save that for when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> oh, well, that was it. I mean, I like that episode. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't dislike it. I would just say I noticed maybe more lull and more yeah. lulls in the episode. And I just didn't find myself as constantly like transfixed yeah. by it. But I did, it was a good episode. And I mean, you have two back to back huge, like crazy scenes. Yeah, it was definitely a building episode. It had more mm-hmm. scary moments than laugh out loud moments. Like I feel yes. like the last two episodes were really funny to me. And this one was like, not as funny, although it did have some really funny scenes. Yes. But it definitely, I mean, honestly... This is why I fast forward through James. <laughs> he's the biggest uh, lull in the yes. show. In my <laughs> uh, he's just very annoying to me, but. But, who you knows? know, I like to laugh at him now. And there's a lot of revisionist history when it comes to James <laughs> in the future. And I just want to evaluate from this perspective and see, you know, and he was horrible. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very selfish. 
Yes. <laughs> Just like uh, as a person or character, you know, yeah. written. <sighs> and he's so quiet and dry and yeah. one level. I would although he did laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that like you said this is like probably the first time we saw like a big laugh from him and I was like is this the first time I'm seeing his teeth because yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just felt so I was like oh this is new plus I feel like James <sighs> I don't know why this pro- I don't know why this feels to be but he should have lighter hair the black hair just throws me off on him so much <laughs> I could like see it I could hair. see him having blonde you know, a brown. Like, even a brown every time I see like notice oh you have such black hair it always feels fake to me and it, it, maybe it's not fake but it just looks fake to it me. does i mean i think it's probably supposed to give off like he's so like he's so mysterious he's so dark and you know black hair black jacket yeah. black boots black motorcycle whatever <laughs> sorry if you're a james lover <laughs> <laughs> this is <laughs> we are not on the same page as you for some reason <laughs> Him and Eleanor are the ones I feel like I have to apologize to the fans of. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe less so for James. I just feel like there's probably less deep abiding love for James than there is for Eleanor. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Do you want to do favorite scenes? Favorite scenes. Yeah, let's do favorite scenes. (laughs) I just had had mine locked and loaded. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you can have any other favorite scene in this episode than... Nadine versus Harry. Oh, Hank. <laughs> Which I would still like to see that. But Nadine versus Harry. Oh, Hank. See, I'm just gonna this keep is going. the problem. I write Hank for Harry all the time. And I wrote I Harry for blame, Hulk. <laughs> I blame David Lynch and Mark Frost. How could you have characters with so similar names? Well, I feel like this whole show is built on the premise of everyone has the same first letter to their name because that was one of the first clues was like, J. Ah. And so I don't know if it's like a thing. Yeah, Laura Leland. Hmm. I don't know. Well, Nadine versus <laughs> Hank. <laughs> I had to stop to say it because I was like, don't say Harry, don't say Harry. That is an amazing scene. And I also particularly love her. My favorite. Ma- um, kissing Mike into submission. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was also a great scene. Uh, we just uh, we just love Nadine so much. Yeah. But I also really like the first scene with Garland and like the Mm -hmm. spooky lodge stuff. And yeah, that was cool. I also like the end, you know, I just think. Yeah, that final scene. It's the Sydney problem throughout the middle of this episode. And those of you who don't listen to our Jane Austen episodes, (laughs) but there's a certain character named Sydney who is just like, you know, he just is so annoying. (laughs) And all the men in this episode were just being so ugh. and I'm like are you even aware yeah. this is how you're writing them are you doing that on purpose I just I don't yeah know. <laughs> that was yeah very much my interpretation I was like maybe that's why also this episode was not my favorite <laughs> as of recent because I was like everyone and by everyone I mean all the men are being so stupid and so selfish maybe it is on purpose because you know I mean it is so satisfying to see Nadine kick Hank's ass Yep. Yeah. Yes. And Bobby get his just desserts. Yeah. Very true. I don't know what we're going to do with yeah. James, but <laughs> he's just like a lost little puppy with no sense in his brain. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, well, it's like you want to help him, but then he does something and you're like, why'd you do that? Now I don't want to help you. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. sighs> James. <laughs> Thank you.
for sorting. <laughs> yes. I actually picked two different people to sort Ooh. because I started off picking Denise slash uh-huh. Dennis Bryson, or I guess, would you say Denise, nay Dennis Bryson? You know how like when a woman gets married and you say their first nay their mm-hmm. other name <laughs> i mean you know, their last you know uh-huh. um i would probably just say denise because dennis would probably be like they call it like her dead name and so yeah i just think it's funny to say denise nay Dennis yeah. because that's <laughs> credited as <laughs> denise slash Dennis. yeah yeah well yeah if it's credited then yeah that's how i would put it because it's like you know doesn't exist <laughs> anyway i just thought it was a funny way to say it <laughs> previously known as right (laughs) (laughs) but since he died this episode and we've never done him and he has his own card i decided we should also do jean renault that's a good choice a little quickie so let's start with denise though Uh, okay the there wasn't a card for denise so i don't have a birth date (laughs) and the only thing i could really find interesting that i didn't i don't think they said in the series although they might have Mm -hmm. is that Denise and Cooper worked together on a sting in Tijuana and things went mm-hmm. south and her, well, I guess it was Dennis at the time, but Bryson's cover was blown and they were taken hostage. Oh. And, well, Bryson was taken hostage and Cooper rescued Dennis Gosh. or Denise. And the newspapers stated that the incident was caused by an argument over the book of Job. <laughs> <laughs> Not that means anything, but um, that's kind of cool. Okay, so let's sort Denise first. <laughs> hmm. I immediately kind of was like, is she an earth sign? She just feels very grounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Like a Taurus, maybe? Possibly. The earth signs are Capricorn, Taurus, and Virgo. Taurus is ruled by Venus and is more into like enjoying life's pleasures and maybe into the finer things in life. Oh. While Capricorn is more of like a keep your head down and get your work done to be successful Mm -hmm. type of a person or like, you know, feeling. And then Virgo is like meticulously plan lists, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, sorting things. (laughs) Right. (laughs) This segment is Virgo. (laughs) Yeah. I was just about to say, Um, I like Taurus a lot because she kind of has this like attitude of like of ever nothing of being super serious like she never takes anything to heart she's never like angry or like too invested into something and so i kind of yeah. get the the vibe that like you said she like just enjoys the easy things of life like finer things of life she just enjoys life yeah yeah and i feel like that's kind of how she had her um a realization you know right kind of enjoying like the sensualness of you know yeah dressing she was, and women's clothing and stuff like that yeah she was like opening herself up and kind of and almost like when you think about a tourist like they're almost more like experimentative in a way like they are willing to do maybe things that other earth signs aren't willing to do just because yeah, they're like maybe. what is this like definitely more explorative definitely also well, I don't know. Maybe someday we'll get into it. But like, you know, Taurus is ruled by Venus. Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, which is mm. like kind of a restrictive planet. And Virgo is ruled by Mercury. And it's like the mutable nature. But like, you know, keep everything's organized. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know if that really makes any difference. But I just as a quick little lesson for anyone out there who's wondering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I like Taurus. I like that. Though. What about D&D? 
I haven't watched Encanto yet, so I don't know whether we can sort Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely should watch it soon. For D&D, I would say Lawful Good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she's like I mean, an FBI agent or a DEA agent, I guess. <laughs> yeah. DEA agent. She's part of the law and she. I feel like she always has good intentions. Definitely. Now, what Jane Austen book oh. and or character would she enjoy the most? Hmm. This is a hard oh, one. This is a hard one. I would say for book i feel like she would really enjoy northanger abbey because mm. i feel like she would really enjoy like the the kind of over the top stuff Catherine has where she's like is he a murderer <laughs> is he not i like gothic castles and houses and all that stuff i think she would really enjoy the story as a whole yeah i mean she did have that like ooh, who's that audrey girl <laughs> right <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I think she would really like that. And we do. I feel like we did talk about Audrey a lot during Northanger Abbey. So yeah, she's very, <laughs> I could definitely see that. Abbey. Yeah. Then favorite character. Hmm. Would it just be Catherine Morland? I, yeah. I was just about to say, I think it would be just Catherine Morland. If that's her favorite book. Yeah. <laughs> How do you not like Catherine? She's the best. I, I was thinking that the other day. I was like, is Catherine Morland the best Jane Austen heroine, like just most lovable, you know, yes. <laughs> they're all great, believe me. But like, is she just like the most, you just want to like, yeah, oh, squeeze she's it. like, yeah, she's like the sweetest. And she because she's so naive, like, she doesn't have any bad thoughts really about people. And I don't know, she's so yeah. pure. And I was also thinking like, when are we getting a new Northanger Abbey adaptation? I would love to see a new one. <sighs> there are not enough. There are not enough. No. Okay. Jean Renault. Now he, I have the card for, and I will tell you what the card says. First of all, it says that he is an Aries, born April 1st, Mm. 1940. April Fool's Day. Uh, uh, He likes caviar, champagne, and fancy women. (laughs) (laughs) Education, Quebec Reform School. Oh, gosh. Played by Michael Parks. Accomplishments. My shrewd business dealings have made me a very wealthy man with many important connections. I didn't even hmm. try to do a French accent. <laughs> uh, it's hard. Strengths. <laughs> I'm not even going to because I, I don't know. <laughs> My smart instincts and quick reflexes have served me well. Uh, yeah. Mm, not, not this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Weaknesses. I am not a particularly caring or sensitive guy. I tend to discard friends quickly. <laughs> Yeah, that is a weakness. <laughs> I mean, I'm cool with just saying he's an Aries. I was gonna say that was my first thought was because he's, you know, I feel like he's quintessential. I mean, I thought Scorpio just because Ooh. obviously he's not afraid of to get into the taboo of life, but could be. he's definitely like a I'm going out and I'm gonna make things yeah, happen. Could be so Aries, Aries, Scorpio <laughs> rising or something. A Scorpio moon. <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> a bad combo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, depending on the person, I'm sure. Right, definitely. I definitely think he is like, I, well, I don't know if he's chaotic evil or if he's like mm. neutral evil. He's because I feel like he's always got a yeah. plan. That's a good point. Yeah, because he's not really one to cause a lot of commotion. He doesn't want to. Yeah. So I like neutral yeah. evil. And gosh, hmm, he's. I feel like he'd be like, what Sydney's the best character? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, um, um, I don't know if this is the right title. Or William Elliot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's who I was going to say. He would probably be like, oh, he enjoys 
you know, rich, being rich and snobby, like, just like me. And yeah, blah, blah. yeah. 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 That's exactly. The imagined evil version of William Elliot that I always think is a murderer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is John Renault for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, there we go. That was fun. We did that it. That was a good one. <laughs> final thoughts on this episode um i am excited to see what happens next episode considering the the bunch of ending scenes we got the dead dog farm standoff and shelly and leo and cooper and Wyndham. i'm excited to see what's going to come next and this is what 13 13, yes which means we have we really only have like nine or ten episodes left so i mean there's a not that much time left really i mean i guess shows nowadays we'll do a whole season (laughs) episodes but i mean these are like 45 minute uh abc episodes and they really cram a lot obviously and and there's a lot yeah so i'm like i guess we'll still be going (laughs) it was like what what is to come (laughs) that's i can't tell i know gordon cole hasn't even come to town (sighs) i mean (laughs) there are characters i have not even met there's so much to come i'm excited (sighs) well i'm excited to do the next one Mm -hmm. too Oh, wait, did I even say any final thoughts on this episode? And I like it. <laughs> yeah, I think you did. James is annoying. I think I said all my final thoughts throughout the episode. <laughs> <laughs> James is annoying. Nadine's the best. What more is there to say? What more is there to say? Okay, so let us do recommendations. Okay, do you have one or do you want me to go first? I actually have one today. (laughs) Ooh, okay, let's hear it. Because I've been kind of trying to listen to less podcasts. I mean, I'm still, (laughs) I guess, listening to them, but just like, I I don't know. I'm I'm giving myself more time for other things. Like I wanted to listen to an audiobook the other day. And I listened to the next book in a series that I've been Uh listening to for a long time called the Agent Pendergast series. And I believe the first one was The Relic, which they did a movie Ooh. out of. It's like a monster movie. It sounds familiar. It's like this about this detect. Well, I don't know what The Relic is. I can't remember even what The Relic <laughs> specifically was about because there are like a bajillion of these books. They're by Douglas Preston and Lee Child together. Okay. And Agent Pendergast is like this kind of crazy southern interesting fbi type character and all Uh the books have to do with like either monsters or cults or other worlds like they always go into these really weird places that's cool and there's these characters that sometimes continue and sometimes they go away and then sometimes they'll come back and it's just like one of those series like you can literally read any of them and you're not really going to be missing anything. But if you read them all, you're like, oh, there is kind of a continuous storyline throughout this. That sounds cool. I like that. But the latest one I read was called Bloodless. And it was a lot of fun. Ooh, that sounds scary. <laughs> it is. It's kind of... Um, they're, they talk about vampires a lot. Ooh. <laughs> but what it really ends up being in the end, it's like, whoa. Did not see that coming? I, <laughs> That's so cool. I love, I love series like that where it's like, it seems like the most normal like type of character where like this person can't exist in like a supernatural crazy paranormal world and they're like oh yeah they do (laughs) there's like there's everything (laughs) everything exists that's cool it's just yeah they're fun they're very fun i'm gonna have to check those out because 
I need to start getting the books more. Yeah. I mean, I, a lot of times when I haven't read for a while, like reading like begets reading mm-hmm. and for me, so <laughs> the more I read, the more I want to read. Yeah, that's true. But I find like there are certain series like that one. It's like, I can just come back to it anytime. And it's always just good for a light, easy read that I'm going to enjoy. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm going to have that added to my list. Okay. So my recommendation is going to be food-based. It is a a new, what's it called? Like, what would you call it? Like, not a startup, but like um, a little shop that our friend Lee Hamby has opened called Effin Good Bark. Oh, yeah. And it's <laughs> E-F-F-I-N, Good Bark. And he's on Instagram and he makes like, if you don't know what Bark is, it's like, I'm trying to like think of like what you would compare like it to. A, like, yeah, it's like a it's sweet like, yeah, It's almost like brittle, but like not super hard and not really sticky. Yeah. But he's got all sorts of flavors and um, we've had a bunch. Right now we have a bag of the cookies and cream and the he did a Biscoff uh, flavored one, which is really delicious. Is that those airplane cookies? Yes. And they're so good. They taste like graham crackers, <laughs> but really delicious. It's just really, really good. That's like the same flavor as that Trader Joe's stuff. That like cookie, what is it called? Oh, cookie butter. Yeah, I think that tastes like that. Well, for the Biscoff one, and he does like a white chocolate drizzle on top, but he mixes in cookie butter with it. Uh, There you go. It is so (laughs) delicious. It's like a cinnamon graham cracker or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But basically... He makes these and he sells them online. I think you can place online orders maybe, or you can DM him. He'll have it somewhere on his Instagram page, but it's just really delicious. And I think you should support him <laughs> because he does a really good job and it's not expensive. Does he ship everywhere? I think so. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think so. And you can always ask him. I think he can ship food. Well, definitely if you're local, you should definitely. Oh, <laughs> yes. If you're local to Jacksonville, you should definitely check him out. He'll also do custom orders and stuff. So it's just really good. I haven't even got to try any of this bark yet. Uh, well, if we happen to have any, <laughs> I probably just order if we stuff. happen to have any surviving bark uh, orders <laughs> by this weekend, maybe you'll have some. Something <laughs> to look forward to. <laughs> All right. Well, next week we are doing Sense and Sensibility chapters 17 through 22. Mm-hmm. And then we will come back at the week after with episode 14 can't wait i don't know the name (laughs) oh and if you would like to get in contact with us yes you can email us at mannersofmadness at gmail.com you can dm us on twitter at mannersmadness or on instagram at mannersofmadnesspod or you can leave a one minute voicemail on our website at mannersofmadness.com yes and we hope that you will we'd love to hear from you we are getting the patreon together and we hope that you'll support us over there i guess probably whenever we do we'll just record a little something that will stick onto these episodes oh, yeah. so if you hear it then <laughs> we get started. Like, we started now could we start it on next week's episode just keep an eye out and it'll be a lot of fun yeah we've got a lot of fun things that we'd love to do over there so anyway um i guess that's all for today i hope you guys had a yes, good yes thank you <laughs> Yes, happy, happy Twin Peaks Day. Day. Even though it's like two weeks later. <laughs> happy belated. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. Yes. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.